Hello and welcome to the podcast Lotus Eaters episode 711. I'm your host Harry, joined today by Connor. Hello there. And today we're going to be talking about the Lizzo cancellation. This is that Lizzo news I promised all of you yesterday. Then we're going to be talking about how late night shows died and nobody noticed and nobody cared. And then what's the third thing we're covering? Uh, if the elites are abandoning net zero. I'm really glad you paid attention to my podcast. No, I'm Harry. sorry. Much love. <laughs> I've been reading The Prince this morning. So they, well, supplementary essays to The Prince. Right. So yeah, that's what we're going to cover. Is there anything? Do we have any announcements? I don't believe we do. So shall we get straight into it with Lizzo? So Lizzo, the regime's astroturfed embodiment of female empowerment, despite never having to have actually done anything for it, besides be a gelatinous, hypersexualized mass has now been cancelled for being racist and fatphobic. Lizzo. And also very sexually empowered. Um, she's transgressed lots of the progressive tenets, which is intersectionality and consent. So she's being hoisted by her own petard, the, the cultural oh. standards that she helped reinforce and, and set up. We're going to go through some wild claims. So, so <laughs> you don't won't get this reference, but let me just check in the first place. Have you ever watched a film from Japan from the 80s called Akira? I know of it, but I haven't seen it. Well, there's a part at the end of that film where the villains have created this techno-global human world where everybody has like bits and pieces. It basically has created some kind of uh, blob creature that can basically just create its own mass and start to grow larger and larger and larger. And the entire last third of the film is just this mass uh, growing larger and larger and larger and eventually absorbing a football stadium. And Lizzo reminds me of that. Yeah, Lizzo culture is very much that. It's it's the phenomenon of um, you should be celebrated no matter how many vices you accrue, no matter how mu much absence of talents you have, um, just because the regime wants to promote your particular lifestyle. Should, should we explain exactly who Lizzo is, just in case there have been anybody watching this podcast who's been able to live in the blissful ignorance of not knowing who Lizzo is, and why specifically she seems to have become a figurehead for what the online right in particular is pointing at and saying that's not what we want that's the exact opposite but it's also what america is doing to everywhere so lizzo is a fat black female singer who has done great hits like truth hurts ironic she's also the person who sang the opening new tune in the barbie film where they introduced the matriarchy as idyllic which is rather hilarious because she seems to be the gelatinous mass at she was in barbie ones. She did the main song for oh. the opening credits of it. And people complain because Lizzo gets every opportunity to be uplifted by the mainstream, including by the Daily Mail, who keeps putting up articles of her in revealing outfits, despite being grotesquely overweight. Well, the Daily Mail puts all sorts of grotesque uh, freak shows in the sidebar. Yes, but at least some of them are conventionally attractive women, even if I don't want to see scantily clad women next to my professional news articles. Lizzo is just an eyesore. Uh, she was also one of the generative forces, as well as Megan the Stallion, one of the people that did WAP behind Hot Girl Summer, which was promoting women. That was to the go uh, out. Ben Shapiro hit, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Great collaboration. Uh, <laughs> where, where women were encouraged to go out and be sexually lewd and indulge in bacchanalia after being locked up for so long. Um, Lizzo also did a TED talk a little while ago where she said that twerking was the expression of intergenerational trauma from slavery. And so you could release that trauma by shaking your buttocks in public. And then the Library of Congress gave her James Madison. I remember, I remember that. Which even he never played to play on stage. So it was, it was a symbolic endorsement of the new regime that is bereft of um, morality and 
putting up anyone who is a minority because of some misguided sense of white guilt by the elites, circumventing, um, uh, overthrowing the traditional founding of America. And so that's why she's ultimately reviled. She's, she's an export of global homogeneity and sexually insatiable morality. Um, so, yes, well, before we, before we get on to the rest of the, rest of the narrative, um, John, please don't bring things randomly up. Uh, we've got we've got uh, contemplations to shill. Um, this is Josh's contemplations one thirty one on what makes good music, and this was actually a really great roundtable that we had to record twice because growing pains of the new studio. Yes. Uh, this is with Josh, Stelios, Rory, and yourself. Uh, Harry, would you count Lizzo among good music? I wouldn't count her as music, so I'm uh, no, 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 not, not in not so in the slightest. Not. There have been. There's a pantheon of fantastic black artists from the yep. latter half of the 20th century. Jimi Hendrix is up there, for example. J- Jimi Hendrix. Uh, we've got Chuck Berry there. I'm quite a, I'm quite partial to jazz music, so I'm a big fan of people like um, Miles Davis. There are plenty of black artists who have been out there and created a pantheon of fantastic and highly influential music. Even these days, right now, I can count among people who I consider to be fantastic artist, even if I'm not a huge fan of his music, somebody like Tosin Abasi, who performs in an instrumental band called Animals as Leaders. I really like The Weeknd, frankly. So. Yeah. So there's plenty of fantastic black artists out there. And instead of putting somebody like Tosin Abasi at the forefront of the culture who writes, you know, once again, it's not really to my test, but he does write incredibly powerful and uh, impressive music. Instead, you get Lizzo's put out there. And happily, this was a Lizzo-free zone. And so if you want to experience high culture and some good taste outside of the realm of influence that Lizzo occupies, watch this video. Also, Rory's in it. Yeah, and so we're going to ruin your day, unfortunately, uh, by making your day not a Lizzo-free zone, because we're going to go through the allegations which have been leaked to NBC, and this was exclusive. Um, so, three of Lizzo's former dancers have accused the singer of sexual harassment and creating a hostile work environment in a lawsuit filed on Tuesday. The dancers accused Lizzo, um, a performer known for embracing body positivity and celebrating her physique. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Wobbling around like jelly. Yeah, she's, she's. Do you remember those little fat weeble people with the circular bottom mm. you can never tip over? Lizzo is, in fact, one of the other reasons, and I know Carl disagrees with me on this, but Carl is just frankly wrong on this, Mm. that I consider our elites to be evil. Because realistically speaking, I've seen some people argue that, oh, if you've got music that's popular, it's only as a result of the marketplace and it's just what people want. No, I've been in the music industry myself. I know that just like any other politically, uh, politically active zone of influence, you have people who act as gatekeepers And then there are people within marketing departments within these larger companies, the record companies, who will push music onto the radio stations, who are all in collaboration with one another to make sure that you get what they want you to get. Okay? And I see Lizzo and Lizzo's image as just another reason why our elites are completely evil, because she is so clearly hideous. She is so clearly obese in a way that I find personally, and this is my opinion, revolting. And it's an insult. It's a literal aesthetic insult for her to be the person who is now defining the new beauty standards. And everybody can recognize that, but they're pushing her on us anyway because of the fact that they know she's offensively ugly. But this is the funny thing. People's revealed preferences are more indicative of what they actually value versus what the elite are forcing them top down. And Tim Paul has a great analogy. Oh, yes. 
Um, he did it with Dylan Mulvaney, but he's also done it with Lizzo, of where he says, yeah, women don't think Lizzo's beautiful. Because if they say Lizzo's beautiful, and then you go, hey, you remind me of Lizzo, they'll get really offended. <laughs> yeah, they will. Yeah, exactly. People people, people default to the male gaze every time. Anyway, so they're, they're accusing her of calling attention to one dancer's weight gain and later berating, then firing that dancer after she recorded a meeting because of a health condition. The suit was filed in Los Angeles Superior Court and provided to NBC News by the plaintiffs. Uh, it also accuses the captain of Lizzo's dance team of proselytizing to other performers and deriding those who had premarital sex while sharing lewd sexual fantasies, simulating oral sex, and publicly discussing the virginity of one of the plaintiffs. The suit does not say if Lizzo knew about the allegations linked to the dance captain, Sherlene Quigley, but the plaintiffs believe the singer was aware of their complaints about her, according to their lawyer, Ron Zambrano. I know. Go for it. I have so many questions. You're only going to have more as we go on. What? So Lizzo fat shamed yes. a dance. Okay, that's really got a sting if Lizzo is yes. saying that you're too fat. And her captain of the dance team was telling everybody off for not embracing Christian virtue and engaging in premarital sex whilst also at the same time being a filthy degenerate. And going to sex parties, as we'll learn. And also just dancing for Lizzo in the first place, who is one of the many overly sexualized female performers that pop music pushes onto people. Well, when Lizzo went to Tennessee after the Tennessee drag band, she invited lots of drag queens on stage as a deliberate thumb in the eye to the people who were legislating against child endangerment. And this, this is the point of this segment as well. I know some people may genuinely not care about celebrity drama, but because she has been foisted on us by the gatekeepers of the music industry, by the American government that allowed her to have an artifact of the founding fathers, she is a totem of social and moral decay. And she is only getting cancelled now because she is not living up to the values that the elites would like to push on us. It's not like the elites have had a, a, a sudden awakening or members of her own inner circle and have gone, maybe this is acid on women's ability to depend, care for dependents. And maybe this is acid on relationships. And maybe um, shortening your lifespan by eating yourself to death is not the best thing. No, 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 no. It is that she is somehow anti-black and anti-fat. Wait, how is she anti... She is fat! And she is black! But not enough, Harry. She's not an authentic, fat Maybe, black voice. I, I mean, one of the most annoying things I've experienced recently is when I've been going on YouTube, it, for a long time, for about two months straight, every single time I would get an advert for PayPal that would have this song, this annoying song playing, and there would be a fat black woman in sweatpants and a yoga top or something stretching about and it's supposed to be, oh, look at how healthy she is, healthy at any size. No. They're going to get her in. She's going to be Lizzo 2.0. They're going to swip, swap her out. And nobody's, nobody's, nobody's It's like the Apple Levine conspiracy theory with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, the suit names Lizzo, whose real name is Melissa Vivian Jefferson, her production company, and Quigley as defendants. In addition to accusations of a hostile work environment and sexual harassment, the suit brings claims for religious and racial harassment, false imprisonment, interference with prospective economic advantage, and other allegations. Quote, false imprisonment. It gets mad. Has she gone Captain Beefheart on her own backing dances or something? Just you wait. The stunning nature of how Lizzo and her management team treated their performers seems to go everything against everything Lizzo stands for publicly, while privately she weight shames her dancers and demeans them in ways that are not only illegal but absolutely demoralizing, Zambrano said in a statement. The suit accuses Lizzo of calling attention to the dancer's weight after an appearance at South by Southwest Music Festival. The singer and her choreographer told the dancer, Ariana Davis, that she seemed less committed to her role, a comment the suit describes as a thinly veiled concern about Davis is weight. Basically, you weren't cutting down to be a backing dancer to look good enough behind Lizzo, who looks like an agent of Nurgle. Um, Davis and another former dancer, Crystal Williams, began performing with Lizzo after complete, competing on her Amazon reality show, Watch Out for the Big 
girls. That's girls. spelled with R. I assume that's a glandular. I, th- I think it's In- taken from the the riot girl movement from what? from a while. It's like a punk adjacent thing where you'd be you'd not just be a punk girl, you'd be a riot girl. Right, so they're chunk adjacent. Brilliant. Um, In 2021, according to the suit, the dancers were later fired. The third, Noel Rodriguez, was hired the same year after performing in the video Rumours, and Rodriguez resigned earlier this year. So, here's where it gets slightly disturbing. Um, Parental advisory warning. This is already highly disturbing. Oh, it gets way worse. So, they they went to an Amsterdam strip strip club called um, Bannon Bar after a performance in, in the city. And the suit states that Lizzo's after parties were routine and non-mandatory, but that those who attended were favoured by the singer and had greater job security. So it was. I've seen some of the headlines that came from this. So yeah, if you've got a queasy stomach, maybe just mute this for the next five minutes or so. I mean, if you had a queasy stomach, you shouldn't be looking at Lizzo. At the club, Lizzo allegedly began inviting cast members to take turns touching the nude performers, catching dildos launched from the performers' vaginas, and eating bananas protruding from the performers' vaginas. I mean, if that is just not the most depraved display of sexual insatiability. It's like a painting of the fall of Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Honestly, it really is. It's, it's slanesh behavior. Yeah. I wish I didn't have such an active imagination. <laughs> good, but, but good God. Point, point being, however, happily, I can rotate this image in my mind. Lizzo might not be able to. What, what, what on earth did you expect? Like, you've celebrated this woman for being grotesque, having insatiable appetites, and being sexually suggestive despite being ugly. So, of course, you're going to get a pervert. But what, why is anyone surprised? By, I, I saw people saying this wasn't on my 2023 bingo card. Yeah, maybe not this exact thing, but you really didn't expect her to have a sordid lifestyle that's akin to like a, a Dionysian orgy? Really? I, I didn't want to picture it. I didn't want to listen to it. But we shouldn't be surprised if this is the kind of person you elevate for having no virtue, but empower them, then of course they're going to play into their worst possible urges because you're giving them everything they want without having to earn it. And it shouldn't be shocking. Lizzo then turned her attention to Miss Davis and began pressuring Miss Davis to touch the breasts of one of the nude women. Davis declined, according to the suit. Lizzo allegedly led a chant, goading her to do so. After Davis declined three more times, the chant grew louder and more strident, demanding a, uh, demanding a visibly uncomfortable Miss Davis to engage with the performer. When Davies eventually acquiesced and briefly touched the performer, the group burst into laughter. Afterward, Lizzo allegedly pressured a member of her security staff to get on stage and began yelling, take it off, according to the suit. I also saw another article that said she whipped him with something. Well, uh, uh, it, it's just disgusting. Yes, it, it's, it's all gross. Um, but at the end of the day, this isn't any sort of behavior that I wouldn't expect to see from musical performers. Nope. If you go back to the 1970s and even in the 1960s, musical performers in big bands who have been very famous and rich and had certain levels of power and influence over their audience members have been able to do and get away with a lot of shady stuff. And a lot of stuff that back in the day would have been considered either normal or swept under the rug. See many allegations of um, singers from the 1970s, for instance, sleeping with you know groupies who were as young as 14 years old. The problem was that back in those days, as far as I'm aware, correct me if I'm wrong, those particular artists weren't being pushed to the forefront of culture as someone who was um, uh, inspirational and an attainable lifestyle to go for. A lot of people did see them as inspirational for the quality of the music that they put out and for the talent that they displayed, but the actual lifestyles these people lived behind the scenes 
wasn't anything that was aspirational. And they weren't figureheads of social revolution. Either. You know, I mean, as, as much as I love a band like Led Zeppelin, for instance, I know that there was for a long time, and I think some of the members of the band admitted it, that they basically had a haram of 14-year-old groupies that they took on tour with them during the 1970s at one point. So not nothing to be looked up to in any sense, as, as much as I enjoy their music. And even if you're talking about abusive behavior towards members of your entourage or band, I mentioned Captain Beefheart. You've probably not heard of him. He's an avant-garde performer from the 1970s. He used to psychologically and physically torture his band members when he was on tour with them. Uh, but he would, it would be sometimes small stuff where he would, for instance, if his band went out live and did a really good show, the members who played particularly well, he would uh, verbally, uh, verbally abuse them and tell them they did terribly so that he could keep them low. For some reason, he would also throw ice water on them when they were sleeping at 3 a.m. and force them to stay up the whole night so they would be deprived of sleep and exhausted for the rest of the tour. Very strange behavior to the point where one of my favorite artists, Frank Zappa, when they were on tour together uh, in the 1970s, decided, I'm not friends with you anymore. We've been friends since we were kids. But now I've seen this side of you. No, I don't want to work with you and I don't want to associate with you ever again. Yeah, and this is part of the problem as well. Everyone surrounding Lizzo is an enabler up until this point. And like, what you know what you signed up for. I mean, I have sympathy for these women because this woman is clearly a threatening and disgusting force. But also, you threw your lot in with these virtues, uh, sorry, values, vices that the regime are endorsing. So are, why are you so shocked that if you're next to the tiger when it, it turns to you and you're the next meal? Like, it, it shouldn't be surprising. Plaintiffs were aghast with how little regard Lizzo showed for the bodily autonomy of her employees and those around her, especially in the presence of many people she employed. Again, she's only getting hoisted because consent is the only progressive moral standard, and that is clearly not enough justified by this. A week later after a show in Paris, Lizzo invited the dancers to a club so they'd be able to learn something or be inspired by the performance. What Lizzo failed to mention when inviting the dancers was that it was a nude cabaret bar. The suit described the performance as artful, but the plaintiffs were shocked that Lizzo would conceal the nature of the event from them, robbing them of the choice to not participate. So she's an exhibitionist as are lots of people in this contemporary movement. Um, she's also racist and fatphobic. The racial harassment claim is linked to what the suit describes as comments charged with racial and fatphobic animus that were made by the touring company's employees. In one instance, the former dancers were asked to be compensated for their downtime at a rate of 50% of their weekly pay. An accountant allegedly responded to the request, offering 25% and scolding them for being unacceptable and disrespectful. Only the dance cast, comprised of full-figured women of colour, were ever spoken to in this manner. So, because we didn't get more money, um, you're racist. This, you, you see how creating a cabal yeah, this is of just what you would expect of resentful, victimology-obsessed, intersectional people is just going to devour each other. I mean, I'm happy for them to, to yeah, yeah, destroy their it. own movement, but what, why are we shocked? Uh, the religious harassment allegation is linked to Quigley, the dance captain who, according to the suit, preached her Christian beliefs and took every opportunity to proselytize to any and all in her presence, regardless of protestations. After discovering Davis was a virgin, Quigley discussed the subject in interviews and posted about it on social media. When cast members asked her to stop pressuring Rodriguez, whom Quigley regarded as a non-believer, about her faith, Quigley responded, no job and no one will ever stop me talking about the Lord. So, um, 
that doesn't seem that, that who bad, cares? frankly. But who, who cares? I don't understand but, why that has anything to do with the rest of yeah. the allegations that are going on here. Yes, but it's because that woman was holding up a mirror to all of them saying that you're engaging in sexually lewd behavior and this might be really bad for you. And at the same time, though, she's taking money from all of these people and working with all of these people. So I don't see where, I mean, she's a complete hypocrite in, nope. to, in her actions, even if she's there going, even if she's there standing at the side of the nude cabaret performance going like, oh, this isn't good, guys. This isn't what Jesus would do. Yep. You're still there. You're still enabling it. Yep. Two dancers were fired in April and May. According to the suit, Williams lost her job on April 26th, days after she spoke up in a meeting in which she challenged an assertion from Lizzo that the dancers were drinking before performances. The day before, Lizzo had told the group that she would have to, they would have to audition again, a move that prompted what the suit described as an excruciating 12-hour rehearsal. If Lizzo was dissatisfied with their performances, the suit alleges, the dancers would be fired and sent home. During the rehearsal, Davis was so fearful she'd lose her job if she went to the bathroom, she soiled her pants. <laughs> So Lizzo literally made her dancers work until they defecated themselves. Bloody hell. She was then given a see-through... in San Francisco. <laughs> she was then given a see-through outfit with no undergarments to finish the performance. Again, I'm sorry for your so imagination. Ritual humiliation yes. for these people as well. Yeah, Lizzo is basically the fat black female Gigi Allen. See Count Dankula's but nowhere video. near as entertaining. Yes, um, or as good a singer. When Lizzo raised the issue again the following day, Williams responded saying the dancers didn't drink. The suit says... The singer then allegedly offered what the suit described as a mocking reply, well, if you're not, then good for you. Five days later, on April 26th, Lizzo's tour manager fired Williams in a hotel lobby. The manager attributed the termination to budget cuts, but the suit notes that no one else was fired. So we're going to the false imprisonment bit, because that's alarming. Yeah, I want to know who she took hostage and why. So someone took a bite of, a, of a, one of her packs of Oreos in the fridge. Um, it might, it must just have... the final straw. She, she went full falling she down. She took them all yeah. hostage. <laughs> Davis recorded the April 27th meeting because she suffered from an eye condition that sometimes left her disoriented in stressful situations. Okay. Days later, Lizzo held an emergency meeting and had security employees confiscate dancers' phones. Lizzo became furious, hurling expletives at the group and st stated she was going to go around the broom person by person until Lizzo, uh, until Lizzo was told who made the recording. Davis acknowledged recording the meeting, saying she wanted to have a copy of Lizzo's performance notes. When Davis said she hadn't meant any harm, Lizzo responded, there is nothing you can say that makes me believe you. Miss Quigley and Lizzo took turns berating Davis. It's like some weird fat black struggle session. After castigating Miss Davis, Lizzo fired Davis on the spot. Before Lizzo left the meeting, Rodriguez told her she felt disrespected and would resign. Lizzo responded by cracking her knuckles, balling her fists, and using an expletive, not the one you're thinking of, to tell Rodriguez she was lucky. As Rodriguez left, the suit says Lizzo raised both her middle fingers and yelled a slur. She she called her a bitch. It's not it's not it's not that one. She just she just sounds like a thoroughly unpleasant person to work for. Yeah, and when you incentivize behaviors like hers and a lifestyle like hers, you're going to get narcissism, indulgence, and petty and. This isn't even on the same level of the 1970s degeneracy that I was describing, because at least then it, it was all the lads in it together, you know, to be absolute degenerates. This is just her bullying everyone around this her is for long no house, reason. Longhouse behavior. Basically, it is the den mother policing everyone else's behavior while also just con in encouraging them to indulge in insatiable sexual and and uh, gluttonous appetites. And if you offend the den mother, then you're kicked out into the cold. That's that's all it is. This is this is and, and this is the culture that the elites would like us all to live. No, no, thank you. The suit alleges false imprisonment against Lizzo because a member of her security detail allegedly forced Davis to remain in the room after the meeting ended so he could search her phone for the video. Oh, that's Still, that's weird. Weird intimidation tactics. The suit doesn't specify a dollar amount for damages that cover emotional distress, including unpaid wages, loss of earnings, 
and attorney's fees. So Lizzo is being devoured. I mean, there's a lot of meat on the bone by, by her own progressive cabal. Um, other people have come out since. One of, one of her documentary directors, it was meant to be a documentary and she, she pulled out. She posted on Instagram. Uh, was, it, was it after she realized, hold up, everything in this will make me look terrible? Well, she actually said, no, I've had the same experience with Lizzo. So we're getting more and more people coming out and saying, yeah, oh, really? she's pretty awful. Oh, okay. So this is uh, Quinn Whitney Wilson and dancer Courtney Hollinquest. For clarification, I'm not a part of the lawsuit, but this was very much my experience in the time there. Big shout out to the dancers who had the courage to bring this to light. And then uh, Wilson shared a screenshot. Oh, get past it. No. Yep, I'm trying to find... There we go. Uh, echoing what Hollinquest had said, um, I, I haven't been part of that world for around three years for a reason. I very much applaud the dancer's courage to bring this to light and I grieve parts of my own experience. I'd appreciate the space to understand my feelings. This is such like feminine backbiting. Like they're, they were all in on it. They're all kind of disgusting. We, we, we shouldn't be surprised of it. Uh, one interesting detail though. Bring, bring back Axel Rose throwing racial slurs at <laughs> members of his own audience. Is that real? He's done it a few times. Oh, blimey. Um, elsewhere in the suit, the three women allege the employees of the touring company treated the black members of the dance team different than other members. Only the dance cast comprised of four-figured women of color were ever spoken to in this manner. So, so like, yes, you've, you've set the standard of where fat black women can't be challenged. And if you're not fat and black enough of an ally, then even if you're a fat black woman, you will be destroyed. So, so I'm happy to watch Lizzo destroy herself. And, and before Lizzo goes not so quietly into that good night, um, it'll be easy to find her again, I suppose, if we ever lose her. Uh, John has brought to my attention as well that she's put out yes, a statement. We, we haven't read this. You can, you can well, go and, well, let, let, let's yep. see what she says That's fine. right here. Shall I or do you? Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. So uh, she said, these last few days have been gut-wrenchingly difficult and overwhelmingly disappointing. Are you sure that wasn't just breakfast? <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> my work ethic, morals, and respectfulness have been questioned. My character has been Chris her <laughs> her incredible, un untarnished character yes. has been criticized. Usually I choose not to respond to false allegations, but these are as unbelievable as they sound and too outrageous to not be addressed. Once again, all that's being alleged is that you are a typical degenerate on tour, which is nothing that nobody has not seen before. These sensationalized stories are coming from former employees who have already publicly admittedly uh, admitted that they were told their behavior on tour was inappropriate and unprofessional. Carry on. As an artist, I've always been very passionate about what I do. I take my performance and my music very seriously because at the end of the day, I only want to put out the best art that represents me and my fans. Oh, how sweet. With passion comes hard work and high, st high standards. Lizzo's High standards for her music. I'll leave that there. High caloric standards, perhaps. <sighs> Sometimes I have to make hard decisions. <laughs> one breakfast, two or three. But it's never my intention to make anyone feel uncomfortable or like they aren't valued as an important part of the team. I'm not here to be looked at as a victim, but I also know that I am not the villain that people in the media have portrayed me to be these last few days. I am very open with my sexuality and expressing myself far too open but I cannot accept or allow people to use that openness to make me out to be something I am not. There is nothing I take more seriously than the respect we deserve as women in the world. I know what it feels like to be body shamed on a daily basis and would absolutely never criticize or terminate an employee because of their weight. Wah, wah. Around smashing mirrors. <laughs> I'm hurt, but I will not let the good work that I've done in the world be overshadowed by this. What, what good work? I want, every, uh, I want to thank everyone who has reached out in support to lift me up during this difficult time. You're going to need a lot of people to lift up Lizzo. 
full stadium's worth. Yeah, so speaking of second breakfasts, before she is cancelled, before her music becomes as unlistenable to as R. Kelly, I thought we'd let Lizzo play us out with a, with a heartwarming Kelly's tribute. Kelly's at least a decent singer. I mean, he is a hack and also a nonce. But that's, anyway... That, that's true, but... She, she did a heartfelt, <laughs> heartfelt tribute to Lord of the Rings. So, so let's play Lizzo participating in authentic Anglo culture. A cave troll. Oh, sorry. I don't know how that got in there. That's very fat phobic of me. Did, did someone do that? Because I know you put that tweet out. Did someone just recreate that for a TikTok? I can neither confirm nor deny that I directed our editors to do this. Oh, excellent. Go on then. I'm sorry. That's just shocking and painful to me to see. <laughs> Lizzo. Lizzo. Pretending to be in Lord of the... Lizzo. For... According to John, she's trying to be Legolas. All right, fair play. Whatever floats your boat. Although, as far as I'm aware, Lizzo probably mainly sing them. Yep. Yep. All right. So, on to some good news. Good news, everybody. Late night comedy is dead. And oh no! Anyway, no, no one noticed. I didn't notice. You didn't notice. You at home probably also didn't notice because let's be perfectly honest here. Nobody cared about it to begin with. Stephen Colbert. Um, who are the other ones? They're so forgettable. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy, Jimmy, Fallon, Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel, Trevor Noah, Samantha B got cancelled. Yeah. They, they're, they're all dead. They're all off the air now and nobody cared because, I mean, why would you? Nobody oh. was watching them to begin with. Seth Meyers and John Oliver, those are the other two. Yeah. I, are I, they still on? Because John Oliver's HBO, I, I assume. I'm not sure. All of them are about as funny as cancer. So, not bothered. Yeah, true. Um, so, you know, if you felt like there was some kind of cool breeze flowing through your life, if you felt that there was some inner peace that you'd not found before, it might have been because those non uh, those uh, non entities non entities yeah uh, weren't assaulting you on your timeline on Twitter daily like they might have been before. I'll get into the details in a moment, but uh, we've got this recent symposium from Stelios that I'd like to promote to everybody. It's uh, number twenty nine where he's talking with Carl about Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. This is part one, and here you can see Aristotle kindly portraying the Chad Yes meme in the thumbnail. And uh, yeah, they're just talking about Nicomachean's, uh, uh, the Nicomachean Ethics, which is one of Aristotle's major works that's supposed to be paired along with the politics. I have previously spoken to Stelios about the politics, so this is kind of a second part of that for him, uh, because uh, the ethics and the politics in Aristotle's view can't be separated from one another. Politics is a branch of ethics, and ethics are a branch of politics because of the way that he was viewing the way that a polis operates, which is it takes in the entirety of a society. Man is the political animal after all, and therefore, if you want to be ethical, you need to know how to operate within the uh, political side of the world. If you want to be political, you need to know how to do the ethics. So I'm sure they have a fantastic conversation there. I've watched the first 10 minutes of it, and Carl gives an interesting rundown of his own experience with Aristotle, and we all know that Carl loves his Aristotle. So yep. give that a watch. Second part is out today. Yes, the second part is out today, and uh, it's £5 a month on the website if you want a subscription to be able to watch this and all the other fantastic videos we've got. So hey, why not give it a try, eh? So if we move on to the next thing. So I only found out about this, and I'm sure many people only found out about this through Twitter and social media, because Jack Posobiec here, pointed out late night comedy shows, uh, network shows shut down three months ago 
and no one knows it. Three months ago, so this was back in May, um, and you had to go on Snopes fact check because people were apparently questioning whether they'd really gone off, and Snopes felt the need to do a fact check on this and fact check true. This late night, uh, late show with Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel Live, late night with Seth Meyers, Daily Show, and the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon shut down live production on May twenty, uh, May second, twenty twenty three, amid a strike initiated by the Writers Guild of America. And nothing of value was lost. Absolutely nothing of value was lost. This is a celebration stream. This is a trolling stream. This is just us, you know, dancing on their graves right now. Like, like they made the vaccine needles dance a little while ago. Yeah, I was considering whether to do a best of of what we're missing out on using those kinds of clips. But at the end of the day, I didn't want to put myself through that. And I didn't want to put all of you wonderful people at home through that either. But Harry was very tempted to put me through that after I put him through Lizzo. A little bit, can't deny. But it's important to note as well that Oran makes a great point in this tweet where he just said, nobody watched this stuff. Half of what kept it alive was conservatives reacting to it for clips, which is probably true, which is something that we did as well. Uh, so we ha we have to be blamed on a certain level for this as well. So for anybody who suffered through what we put you through, I'd like to offer you a sincere apology and suggest that you sign up for the website. Um, yeah, well, because the website content is far more nourishing than than maybe it tabloid news. It honestly is. It honestly is. And yeah, what what I see these people, these late night shows, as doing their role within the system that we all operate within was basically to be propaganda head uh, headpieces. They were just talking heads to be able to go on television and give everybody watching television, who was just a normie, their new programmed opinions. They can give them the new snarky responses to give to anybody who disagrees with those opinions as well. And also, if you've got butterflies in your stomach when you're, say, supporting COVID tyranny, and you think to yourself, maybe I'm in the wrong here, these people offer a reprieve from that. They let you know and they reassure you, listen, what you're doing is fine. Look, we agree with you and we're the media class and the media would never lie to you. And if the media did lie to you, then we would tell you that that media was evil and alternative and you don't want to go onto alternative media. Look, here's some snarky quips for you to throw out at the alternative media and those like them who are probably actually Nazis in disguise. That's the that's the function that they operated. Yes, yeah. they they have a twofold effect. The the first is to marginalise and stigmatise legitimate questions and opinions, um, and and sometimes to resurrect those opinions when it becomes unpalatable to the point of John Oliver did did this completely Jekyll and Hyde routine where. Back in the early 2000s, he got Crossfire cancelled off of CNN by going on and, and complaining that by having... Is he to... the one who got it cancelled? Yes, because he went on and with Tucker Carlson, he was complaining that CNN even platforming Tucker Carlson in the first place was being unserious, illegitimate, and uh, it was it was mainstreaming horrible views. And, and this so... is back when Tucker Carlson was much more of a normie who operated within the system yes. rather than... Otai-establishment bit... Bush Republican. Yeah. Yes. And then... Cross back, he goes on Colbert's show and suggests that the COVID lab leak theory is the most sensible. So they're allowed to move. I think you're talking about John Stewart. John Stewart, yes. Sorry, Not John um, Oliver. No, John Oliver. If I said John Oliver, I made a mistake. It was John Stewart. Um, yes. So he was the one that re encompassed that into the acceptable realm of progressive discourse because it was so untenable to suggest anything else. Uh, and then the other function they play is to disseminate NPC programming down to middle-class midwits. And this is specifically what happens in the UK with panel shows yes. like Have I Got News For You or Mock The Week, of where they'll look dead down camera and just go, the Tories, and canned laughter. And don't get me wrong, the Tories are cringe. 
But they're only cringe for, for those guys. For the opposite reasons that we would consider yes. them cringe. Because they're not Guardian enough. Well, that's the thing as well. Um, I think Academic Agent and other people have pointed out as well that when the BBC has panel shows where they'll have a row of progressives and then one conservative, typically Peter Hitchens, on there so that they can you know, stick by Ofcom guidelines and provide a balanced perspective on current issues, what it does for the normal person at home, even if they're more edging towards our side, more on Peter Hitchens' side, is it applies the social pressure of making it appear as though these people are completely outnumbered. It's propaganda from every direction where you don't even necessarily, even if you are disagreeing, get your programming updated because you just go along with it because it's what you actually believe. You get your programming updated because you think to yourself, okay, if I display Peter Hitchens' opinions in public, this is the same reaction that I'm going to get when he gets henpecked, when he gets mocked, when people deride him, when people just outright insult him on these shows. And that's why I don't think Hitchens should go on these shows anymore, if I'm perfectly honest, because he's acting he intentionally or unintentionally is playing a role in that dialect. Yeah, it plays into crowd psychology. And also what they do as well is they select obviously non-conservative people who wear the conservative big C stripe. And so they make sure that the only right-wing voices are within the managerial materialist liberal paradigm. So when you bring on a government minister um, like... I don't know, Grant Shapps or something like that. Or you bring on Tom Harwood as the representative of the conservative opinion on the panel, who can't even name mass immigration as a problem behind housing. You you keep the Overton window within a very ossified, um, acceptable, on the road to capital P progress direction. This is why we would never be invited on there. Because no, we don't write for The Economist, or we don't, we don't put the Ukraine flag in our bio, and that's the kind of right-wingers they want. Left-wingers. I'd have Antifa trying to punch me in the face if I ever appeared on the BBC or even GB News, to be perfectly honest, they just wouldn't have me. And if, if they saw me on there, they would uh, have the, they'd, I'd have a witch hunt against me, essentially. Probably. You'd probably be all right with GB News. Maybe. We've, maybe, we've, we've got some people on Maybe on there. certain shows with GB News. But with BBC, for instance, I, I would be betrayed as way beyond the pale of anything that they find acceptable in any realm. They just would not have me, uh, which is always fun to know. Uh, but. I thought we'd just go into a little bit more detail about why it is that these are shut down. As I mentioned, it's the writers' strike. What happened? May 2nd, 2023, the Writers Guild of America initiated their strike, and therefore all of the writers, the well-paid, incredibly talented writers of such classic jokes as the Vax scene, yes. as we all remember and have already referenced now, or uh, She-Hulk, or She-Hulk, all of these writers have decided that they weren't getting paid enough. And so they took this off screen for us. They took uh, Marvel off of screen, out of production for a long time. They took most of Hollywood out of production for who knows how long, to the point where, as we've said before on certain segments, that Hollywood itself might collapse if they don't have their needs met by around December. So if anything, as much as I hate all of these people and think that they're talentless hacks, I can say, you're our guys. Thank you, Writers Guild of America. Very cool. Friend distinguished. <laughs> yes, friend distinguished. If you're fighting to destroy Hollywood, even if it's for stupid reasons because you all are far too big-headed and think you deserve more money, when in fact, realistically speaking, you should be paying other people to accept your terrible writing. And even then, only if I'm running out of toilet paper. Thank you very much. If you're taking down Hollywood intentionally or not, thank you. Great job. As of this writing, it was unknown how long the right, uh, strike will last, as well as for how many nights and shows 
Whirlpool's live production for as long as possible. Please, around 9,000 writers, 98% of the voting body, stopped doing their jobs at 12.01 a.m. on May 2nd after the Guild and Hollywood studios failed to successfully, blah, 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 all the information we've already gone through. News outlets such as Deadline and the Associated Profess, uh, Press confirmed the nightly news shows would stop operations and air reruns throughout the week. So if you're in America, obviously we don't get these shows over here. And sadly, as far as I'm aware, there is no equivalent in England of the Writers Guild strike that we're experiencing right now. So all of our terrible panel shows will still be operating as usual. So if you've tried to tune in to Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Kimmel, I don't know, maybe you know, you've lost the remote and you switched and the, the TV on. And it's just on, and there's nothing that you can do about it. You're being clockwork oranged. And you've got no sharp implements nearby to end the suffering, and you've just had to suffer through it. Has it been a rerun? Are they still airing the reruns, or have they just taken them off screen altogether? The next group of shows that could be impacted were daytime soap operas that have a quick turnaround between writing and filming. Scripted dramas and comedies currently airing will likely finish their seasons without change since the episodes were previously written and filmed. While full releases were expected to be hit with delays, everything that we already know. Although, once again, I can say, please, English writers, can you also go on strike? There is a group called Albert that coordinates with pretty much all of the soaps. Um, I can't remember exactly what they do, but I, I know they do, they do coordinate which political storylines go into it. So they, they were the one that coordinated the climate change storylines across every soap. Well, yeah, that's what I was there. going to say, is that you have done a number of segments on some of the absolute tripe that gets aired for UK soaps, including some of those ones where it shows, you know, oh, look out for this terrible grooming gang that have shown up on Coronation Street, entirely made up of white people. One of them was a white police officer. One of them was a white police officer. So, like, like everything else, when you exist within the total state, everything within the totalizing state has to reflect the preferences and interests and behaviors of the elite that run it. And therefore, all of your soap operas will all of a sudden become incredibly politically charged in pushing one particular message, whether or not that message lines up with your experiences in reality. Yeah, it's imposing hyper-reality on you. And this is why the boomers fall for it. Dan said something brilliant the other week, which is, for the boomers, the television is a primary sense organ. So of course it has to be captured. Actually, it is as yeah. well. I forget who said it, but I saw somebody on Twitter, I think, say that the average boomer normie mindset is well, if it was on Have I Got News For You, it must be true. Yeah. That, that's the perspective. I mean, I remember as a teenager, I used to watch Mock the Week. And because my brain wasn't properly developed yet, and I was an idiotic child, I used to think that people like Frankie Boyle and all of the regulars on Dara Mock the Week, Brian, yeah. Dara Brain, I used to think that they, oh, you know, they're the ones keeping up with the news. They're the ones I'm getting the news off. These guys must really have their fingers on the pulse. I must be informed now. That's the mindset that you get into. If I tune into this terrible comedy show every week, then I'm informed. Yeah, but now when I am forced to watch it, I want to end my own pulse. So, Yes, exactly that. But it looks like before this happened, I mean, they were already in decline. Why late night TV is rapidly declining. So driving the news, CBS aired the final episode of The Late Late Show with James Corden on Friday on Thursday night. Rather than find a new host, the network ended the 28th show 28-year-old show entirely. Presumably, they thought to themselves, well, I mean, we we can't find anyone more insufferable than James Corden. Yeah, James Corden has made it so radioactively unfunny that no one can resurrect the brand. If we can't find anyone worse than James Corden, then what's the point in carrying on, lads, right? He, Shut it down! Didn't he do a Fauci musical with Ariana Grande? I think 
I think he should, he should be pilloried. I think you're right. I know that there were lots of videos coming out in that year that he was doing the Cats film of people trying to drive around LA with him and a load of other members of the Cats cast doing, uh, you know, those pop-up, um, what, what are they, like just public dances in the middle of the street. Flash mobs. Flash mob. Doing flash mobs, all dressed as the Cats cast members. And uh, they were just furious. They were like, James Corden is making me late for work. Go uh, away, James I Corden. I wish someone called Pest Control and got him spayed. <laughs> oh, God. Um, in its place will be a trivia-themed game show based in, on Comedy Central's internet-themed Midnight, which ran from 2013 to 2017. So a show that nobody has ever heard of is taking the place of James Corden. That's just how valuable he was to them. The big picture, late-night TV is expensive. Top hosts like Colbert and Jimmy Fallon were making north of $15 million per year. And that'll just be their salaries, I'd imagine. So that's just expenses on these individuals who are hosting these shows. That's ridiculous. And the social media age has dramatically changed how viewers watch them, choosing to watch online clips the next morning over live viewing. And by the numbers, across the six top late night programs, ad revenue was down more than 50% since 2014 and more than 60% from its peak in 20, uh, 2016. Oh, and I wonder what the, happened in 2016. Yeah, that'll be the Trump bump. Yes. That's what happened. You got the Trump bump where all of these shows all decided to lock into unison and say, huh, Trump bad, am I right? Orange man, pretty stinky. And uh, for some reason, everybody was there trying to hold their guts in, their sides had split, their spleen was falling out. They became liver, Lizzo. Yeah, their f liver was flying off into the corner. They were just trying to catch themselves because it was just so... Funny, and then they fortified people. themselves out of uh, out of a figurehead to mock. Absolutely, they did. I mean, it already as soon as you get to around 2017, it's just bam. Yep. People stop caring. 2018, but then 2019, it starts going, and then bam, just straight away. So they actually can't financially meet the demands of the writer strike. Presumably, this is good. <laughs> Presumably, I'm just hope once again. I I hope that Hollywood collapses entirely. I think there is no redeeming it both on a creative and artistic level for the slop that they have been feeding people for the past 10 years, and then also on a moral level, because Hollywood is a place of, is a den of scum and villainy yeah. and should be treated as such. You should not want Hollywood to be saved. I like films too, but I like good films made by people who aren't complete scumbags. You know, you're never going to get squeaky clean directors and actors, but I'd at least like them not to be rapists and pedophiles. So, you know, if Hollywood dies, I'm happy. And then they were asking as well, does the Late Late Show cancellation sig signal the future of late night TV? There's some more interesting information in here that I'll go through. So it's not the only late night show to change that happened lately. As you mentioned, uh, Samantha Bee's show, which I was not aware was called Full Frontal. This is the level of highbrow humor that people were looking forward yeah, to. She's on a the female comedian. What else do you think she can joke about? Yeah, true. Other than not... being utterly, utterly mid and untouchable. Yeah, and Trevor Noah, <laughs> Trevor Noah left The Daily Show as well. Did he? Yeah, apparently back in December. And no one noticed. Yeah, I, No I one noticed and no one cared. Podcasting has taken over the entertainment world. Every comedian has one. Bill Maher now has a podcast. Conan O'Brien stepped down as host of his TBS talk show and started not one, but multiple podcasts. And there is already an oversaturation of podcasts. And I'm saying that as I'm speaking on a podcast right now. There are too many. I don't care anymore. If you, you watching this right now, congratulations. You're part of the upper cast. You have managed to find the one good podcast worth watching. Every other podcast, for the most part, is rubbish. I don't need it. There's too many of them. In fact, 
I'm tempted we should make this not a podcast anymore, but a drive time talk radio show. What do you reckon? You just want to blast death metal over the airwaves. We have a license to, to destroy people's ears, don't you? No. Yeah, yeah, I've exactly. done it before, but no. Yeah, exactly. And, and I when also... I was at university, I may when we were trying to make broadcast for everybody to show everybody else in the universe, I might have blasted Dillinger Escape Plan at them to scare them, and it worked. But there was there's also no, I, I, this is true. The, uh, the only good comedians that had podcasts or radio shows have been cancelled. Like Opie and Anthony no longer exists, and both Patrice O'Neill and Norm Macdonald are dead. So mm. yeah, there, there's there's very few comedy podcasts that are worth their salt. Imagine it though, we could have a soundboard, we could have cheesy jingles, Rory could come in on the decks and do some freestyling, whatever it is. Should we just dress Rory, Rory up as Howard Stern? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're imagining it already. He kind of looks a bit like it. Like a little bit like Howard Stern and David Koresh's love child. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Women out there, control yourselves. That description, okay? All right, and uh, then there is some good news that's been in the UK, even though we still have lots of trash panel shows and we have rubbish daytime soaps as well. Uh, Dave cancelled Late Night Mash. Isn't that Nish Kumar? It was because Nish Kumar, because he left. Oh. He left, and once again, nobody noticed because nobody cared. As much as I'm bemoaning the oversaturation of podcasts because everybody and their dog has a podcast these days, it is at least good that the fact that they're so diffused means that the fact that they're less concentrated means that people might end up coming onto our website. If they're looking around for podcasts, they might find more dissident and alternative podcasts instead of just going straight to Dave, where they can just easily tune in to every episode of Late Night Mash as it's going, where they can have their thoughts programmed to them by somebody like Nish Kumar. So this is a good thing. Hollywood, please die. Writers strike. Uh, writers strikers, I hope you end up in the gutter. And uh, we will keep winning. You're right. That was a bit of positive news. Um, on to some mixed news, perhaps. Some uh, mid news. Yes, yes. Um, mid news. Uh, right. Recently, we've seen the rhetoric of the elites getting a bit net zero skeptical. It's almost like some elections still have consequences. If you'd like to learn more about the environmental debate, you can go and subscribe to our website for as little as five pounds a month. Help us keep the lights on. Help us keep bringing excellent guests, and you'll get all of our premium content, like this discussion between myself, Josh, and Rory for Josh's Contemplation series about right-wing environmentalism, environmental traditionalism, and it's- Love me trees, love me edgerows. That was actually a debate that Simple as. Finally on air. Oh, yes. really? Is that in the- yes. I'll have to tune in. I've been hearing this debate for the past two years in the office, so I want to see the formalized debate on air. So I was, I'm pro-tree aesthetically, but- Pro hedgerow in terms of the ethic we should take with man living in correlation with nature. Hedgerows are important. Yes, they are. And 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 Rory has an excellent and and very eloquent elucidation of exactly why they're important and the tradition of hedgerow making and how it speaks to how man conceives of himself as a part of rather than above and mastering the environment. And that seems to be the ethic that we need to take going forward. Not not everywhere in the world is standing reserved. And so it's it's a really philosophically rich discussion, actually, and, and it's not as much doom. Got me excited us. for it. It's now. quite hopeful. So so we'll go on to the first article. Um Rishi Sunak has decided that, oh, there's an election coming up next year and my credibility is in the gutter, so I better start listening to some of my backbench MPs and throwing some red meat out to the base. He's granted about 100 new oil and gas licenses. Now, this sounds good, 
but we'll put it in the context of how many have been granted before, how many of them are likely to lead to uh, reduction in energy costs. I, Things I don't get a bit shaky. Want to give too much credit to leftists, but I have seen some leftists posting about essentially his wife might be making a lot of money from these. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know what her business ventures would be related to this, but I wouldn't be shocked if she has stock in some of the energy companies. So he's issued 100 new North Sea oil and gas production licenses. Now, they're not for prospecting for new sites. These are just straight up for drilling. So they will be accessing sites that we already know have abundant oil in them. So that's that's good. It should be going into the market. But the problem with the UK is that it's currently signed up to the global gas market, so we can't have this at a national price. So it's still going to be really costly, and it won't bring down the wholesale price. We need to change the legislation on that. That would be sensible. The North Sea Transition Authority, which is responsible for issuing, issuing the licenses, said the majority of production permits issued do not end up with production actually taking place. So not all of these will lead to abundant energy production according to the people that are going to be using it, which is frustrating, but baby steps at least. Um, he's also funding the Acorn Project in St. Fergus in Aberdeenshire, which is a joint venture between Shell and other companies to fund carbon capture in the northeast of Scotland. And it's going to take carbon, store it under the North Sea, which is also kind of self-defeating because what you would want to do is redisperse it in greenhouses for abundant crop growth or try and turn it into a material like Ian Crossland always goes on about on Tim Cast, which mm. is graphene, which is more promising. But it just seems like at the moment with the current obsession with the climate crisis, they're like, any carbon, stick it under the ground. It's not like it has a useful purpose anyway. Um, so they're going to be one of four projects getting £20 billion in, in funding between them. Sunak says... Even when we reach net zero in 2050, about a quarter of our energy needs will still need to come from oil and gas, and domestic production has about a quarter of the th or a third of the carbon footprint of imported gas. Now, that's very true. The Prime Minister said he made it absolutely no sense to import energy supplies with two to three times the carbon footprint of what we've got at home. Whereas Ed Miliband, who, uh, who is the current, I think he's the shadow energy environment secretary for the Labour Party, former Labour leader, um, he said the Conservatives' energy policy had left Britain the worst hit country in Western Europe during the energy crisis. Well, you wanted to end energy manufacturing, Ed. You want to massively ramp up renewables, which are unaffordable and don't meet energy demands and will lead to blackouts, and then manufacture consent for energy-restricting legislation. So you're, you're not going to help, are you, mate? Realistically, as a nation, you need energy independence. Yes. Or else, if any global crisis hits and supply chains get cut off, you are screwed and you are at the mercy of anybody who might want to take advantage of you. Because if you can't, if you literally can't keep the lights on, what are you going to do? Yeah, with renewables, both your energy sector and your population are quite literally exposed to the elements. And all of this worrying about global temperature increases, which the UK did not experience in apparently the hottest July on record around the world, some of which would have been exacerbated by all the arsonists starting wildfires, I'm sure. Uh, the UK... Oh, and also that when they're measuring the temperatures, they're aiming them at airport runways and other such places. Yeah, they've, they've changed how they've uh, actually recorded temperatures, not just with the technology, but with the different metrics they're using. Um, especially pointing at a tarmac is a mad idea, but there yes. you go. But in the UK, we suffer far more cold deaths than we do heat deaths every year. Bjorn Longberg's written extensively about this. So actually, we uh, hotter weather and more accessible energy will save lives. But it's almost like they don't care about that. Oh, oh, it's brilliant. When you talk about the amount of heat deaths versus cold deaths each year, have you seen the way that they present the graphs? Yes. Where on the graphs, you'll have the two metrics laid out, one side heat deaths, one side cold deaths, for instance, and they'll look like they're about even. But then if you check the x-axis, you'll see that on cold deaths, it's into the thousands and thousands, and on heat deaths, it's in the tens. Yes. Just to make it look 
as though they're the same when it's actually very, very manipulative. And, and Laura Dodsworth joked in, in her great economics with Dan that came out earlier this week, you should go and watch that if you're a website subscriber, that uh, the climate crisis is the next thing from COVID and Ukraine. It's the next current thing. And so soon we're going to start registering climate deaths as within 28 days of a hot day. We've already started doing it a few years ago when people started having the uh, cause of death down as climate change. Yes, yeah, that so that's just Canada. seeding it. Yeah, yeah. So if we look more at the uh, licenses, we've got a weird sequel to what is a woman. That is, what is an oil and gas license? Thanks, BBC. There have been 33 licensing rounds since, with the latest beginning in October 2022. Um, in the 32nd licensing round in 2020, 113 permits were awarded, while so far in the latest round, 115 applications have been made. So you can see the gradual ramping down of how many are getting approved and how many that companies are even investing in. Because, of course, most of the companies are signed up to ESG. Lots of the companies have had their board members displaced by activists over at BlackRock. And so not only are the governments legislating against energy security with fossil fuels, but lots of the fossil fuel companies are now divesting into renewables. So both the public and private sector are both on board with making us colder and poorer. So it peaked in the late 1990s until something happened and has declined ever since. In 2000, production was nearly 250 million tons of oil equivalent. In 2022, it was 80 million tons. To date, more than 48 million barrels of oil and gas have been extracted from UK waters. It is thought there are only 4 billion barrels left. Now, I'm going to go on to this piece from a little while ago and do some fact-checking. All right. Because... Rishi Sunak has had MPs whispering in his ear for quite some time, and lords like David Frost, who spearheaded the Brexit movement, that said, well, you really need to get cracking on oil and gas because uh, the BBC are just lying. It's not 4 billion. Actually, government estimates say there are about 10 to 20 billion barrels still in the North Sea. And if we use just 10% of what we've got in the North Sea, then it's going to keep us energy independent for 50 years. So this seems like a no-brainer. So they're only doing this. They're only ramping down the scale and 50 deliberately years. immiserate us. Yeah, and 50 years sounds like a great grace period that we would have to be able to build all of the nuclear power stations that we would need to keep us independent on energy forever. Yes, and also be net energy exporters like France, who and earn also billions every year from sending it abroad. And also hopefully to train up the sorts of people who will be competent enough to run those power stations properly, because yeah. I believe in some parts of Cheshire and Greater Manchester, they are starting to develop some power stations or at least nuclear energy around the area. But at the moment, with the skills and competency crisis, I am a little bit hesitant, if I'm perfectly honest, about who will be manning these stations. Although, fingers crossed. We're also joint, brings it joint venturing two of our current nuclear power stations with Chinese General Nuclear, and we're investing 500 million in a joint project between the Chinese government and us on UK soil. So presumably, there's going to be Chinese workers coming over and working on this project, which means they can just steal our state nuclear secrets. What a stupid idea. I tried to reform the funding on this. They accepted it, and yet things aren't happening. So I did my best. Guys. Keep those visas rolling, boys. Yeah. But let's play a game. About all this, so Rishi Sunak, not, not Skyrim. It would be fun. Politics of Skyrim is coming at some point. No promises. Maybe November. Anyway, point being, back to the climate. Um, Rishi Sunak, not, not our guy, not doing what we want. But the Guardian are upset, of course, because he's not left-wing enough. He's not alarmist enough. So let's play a game. Who's the most alarmist out of these two Guardian columns, redundantly on the same topic? All right, right okay, go for it. First candidate, George Monbiot, our resident midwit who says all farming needs to end. Um, oh, he's that guy. Yes, yes. So George Monbiot, here's the truth about Sunex plans for the North Sea. He will sell out the planet to the dirtiest bidders. Let's read the opening paragraph. 
To understand this moment, we have to recognize that there is an existential struggle on both sides. While environmental scientists and activists fight for the very survival of the habitable planet, the fossil fuel, meat, and internal combustion industries are fighting for their economic survival. Either they are regulated out of existence, or human society across much of the world will fail. We cannot all win. Either these industries survive, or we do. But we can all lose, because eventually they will go down with the rest of us. Okay, so either everybody becomes a, a, a soy boy pod person. And like George I, Monbiot. Like George Monbiot. Scroll back up so we can see the... Very dysgenic. Yes. Yes, the physiognomy there is not strong. Um, very distrustworthy. Um, or, or the planet explodes. Yes. The, the core just fails entirely and the sun crashes into us. Yeah, just out of nowhere, just boom. One day, you're just walking about your day, probably tucking into a nice juicy steak and then pff, you're dead. I mean, as far as ways to go, I mean, there are worse. Yeah, there's worse. There's being George Monbiot for a lifetime. To buy himself a few more months of political survival, Rishi Sunak, representing a party that's recently taken 3.5 million from major polluters and climate deniers, um, that's the Global Warming Policy Foundation, by the way, who I've written for before, that says the world isn't going to burn and we're spending too much money on bad climate policy. Climate, climate denier! Climate denier in this context means somebody who recognizes that the climate can change and is changing, but just doesn't want to say exactly if the world will explode. Yeah, and doesn't want to eradicate all of human activity because you're not a delusional, genocidal misanthrope. Um, he is threatening the welfare of the human species. He has switched over the past fortnight from doing a grand total of nothing to prevent the climate chaos. Trillions of dollars pledged to Pakistan is nothing, really. I mean, I, I wish he did nothing, seriously. To actively sabotaging both the climate programs he inherited and the efforts of other public bodies. It's actively sabotaging to repatriate energy production, even though the cost is still not going to come down, and use liquid natural gas rather than the higher emissions imports from overseas. Like Monbiot at this point is either so stupid as to not know his solutions don't work, or he's deliberately lying to kill people. Because that's what's going to happen. I wish the Tories were as based as the Guardian thinks they are. Oh, would, would, would you like to parallel this with the delusional dream of, of the Guardian's lead crazy person, Zoe Williams? Ah, yes. Rishi Sunak's contempt for the climate shows us just how right-wing he really is. I wish, I so wish he was even remotely right-wing. But he isn't. Also, right-wingers, as we prove in the contemplations you promoted at the beginning of this, love the environment. Well, okay, so actual right-wingers do. Um, we criticize a lot of the current right-wing and even the policy sphere that I used to come from mm -hmm. because the current delineations are either the Just Stop Oil, Greta Thunberg, How Dare You, The World Is Burning Down style uh, apocalypse vision, which means that we need to eradicate all human activity off the planet because we are the carbon they want to reduce. Or it's the right accepting all of the frame of the terms of debate, but just saying we can Francis Bacon style innovate, engineer, and manipulate nature out of it. And what Rory, Josh, and I were saying is that by both of those approaches, we have ultimately alienated ourselves from nature and either turned it into a religious body that's above us in the first one or something to be manipulated and taken from Amazon rainforest to Amazon warehouse product on a shelf. And that means that we are going to uh, never, we're going to feel dislocated from time and place. And tradition cannot survive under those conditions. So what you need actually is to create technologies that rescind the amount of space that human beings take up on the planet while also clearing up um, the energy that we produce and uh, allowing us to reintegrate with nature on both an emotional and physical level so we can get back to time, place, parochial culture. But neither of these people want to do that. And Rishi Sunak certainly doesn't want to do it because he's a managerial tech. No, of course. I'm just going to go even simpler than uh, what you were just saying there and just say, 
that as an Englishman, walking through an ancient forest or traveling around some beautiful fields or climbing a hill just so that I can look at the view speaks to me spiritually. It resonates with the vibrations of my bones. And so if I were unable to do something like that, I would be deeply distressed yeah, for the rest of my life. That's the transcendentalist philosophy we actually go through in our contemplations. Um, what we need to do, though, is we need to take one step further than that, because that only existed because of the Industrial Revolution, because you had a clear cleave between the woodland that was regenerating, because you no longer needed to cut down wood to, to burn fires when you had coal and gas, and the stifling cities that people wanted to escape. Because they literally felt so polluted that they're, you know, they, they thought, as the eye is the window to the soul, if all I'm looking at is concrete and smog all the time, I need to get back out to the wilderness to cleanse myself. And so Ralph Waldo Emerson believed that if you looked at nature, it would repeal the, the, the mean egoism of being and connect you to the objective undercurrents of, of the world, capital B being. And, and that's what you're articulating there. It's, it's the, the painting of the wanderer standing atop the hillside and, and, yeah. and looking over at the clouds. It's a great painting. Yeah, that's what we need to reconnect with, but we need to see ourselves as not above it, but alongside it. And Rishi Sunak doesn't see that. But well, Rishi stop. Sunak's not from here. Mm. Why would he feel any connection to the green and pleasant land of England? He's an anywhere man of finance. It, 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 he just doesn't feel the same about the country as we do. Um, Zoe Williams, though, thinks he's right wing. This is one of the maddest sentences I've read. I had a premonition that Rishi Sunak was about to do something deeply ungreen. <laughs> Source, it came to me in a dream. Quite literally. <laughs> I didn't know exactly what. And definitely couldn't have named which oil and gas licenses he wanted to issue. But I knew that whatever it was, it would spell the end of our commitment to net zero. Please. So, sorry. Literally, this is, it came to me in a dream. Oh. I, I had a bad dream about Rishi Sunak. And now I know he's going to destroy the planet. She's Batman in Justice League. I'm sorry. I hate George Monboyard, how he pronounced his name. French bon name. Monboyard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. French name. Don't care. Dis opinion discarded. But this is crazier from the first sentence. Yep. My God. I've, I've read the ecological tea leaves and it says that the planet's going to be set ball. Um, ablaze. I figured it would shift our international alignment away from the countries taking the climate crisis seriously because it's right in front of them and they are not psychopaths towards the countries strutting their indifference to it the complicated but demonstrable political mileage in the message follow me to hell it'll be fun there. It's possible that this guy steering our country in its hard right direction is actually quite right wing. Again, I wish. And so the, the delusion posting is not endearing to Rishi Sunak, but I am enjoying how upset they are. And, and, and this screaming is obviously helping put more and more people in the British public off net zero because they realize the cost of it. They realize that they're going to outlaw cars and, and boilers and lock you in 15-minute cities and make you eat the bugs. And ahead of the next election, the rhetoric is shifting because if people are getting agitated about how much it's going to cost them, then the very utilitarian Tories are going to make the gambit and change the rhetoric, not the commitment to a lot of the legislation, of course, because Grant Shapps is currently bankrolling renewables to the billions, and he was the one that told Sadiq Khan to expand ULEZ in the first place. The Uniparty is very much real. But Michael Gove, who pulls a lot of the strings for the Tory party behind the scenes, he knows where all the bodies are buried, and he's a very untrustworthy fellow, I'll put it at that way. He has turned around and said in an interview with The Telegraph that the Dutch protests over emissions regulations show the inflexible application of rules designed to reduce pollution leads to a backlash. Also, Sir Ian Duncan-Smith has become the latest MP to call for a rethink of net zero in light of the by-election results. And Sir Ian Duncan-Smith used to lead the Conservative Party. He wrote in The Telegraph... Ian Duncan-Smith, isn't he the one that sponsored the policy exchange document that was talking about uh, letting Afghans into your home? Or was that another traitorous slime that I, works with I the Tories? I don't know if that was him. 
I know he's very anti-China and he was very anti-lockdown. So he's sometimes okay. But if that was him, then that's very frustrating. I, I, I don't, I don't think it was, but his name does ring a bell somewhere. Hmm. He said that the target of reducing greenhouse emissions to zero by 2050 has led to arbitrary and very costly deadlines such as the 2030 ban on the sale of petrol and diesel cars with absolutely no plan on how you're going to replace the low-capacity char car charging ports for electric cars in London because they just want you off the road. Uh, yeah, there's no practical justification or application for such a harebrained scheme. No, so it's just behavioural nudge to make you only take public transport and use the CBDC. And if you tweet the wrong thing, well, I guess you're walking everywhere forever. I'm going to sound like Josh when I say this, but I don't want to have to take public transport and sit next to smelly proles all day. I don't really blame you. I mean, my commute is hell. And speaking of commuting through London, there was a recent by-election. Except for you, viewer, watching this right now. I love you. I would love to sit next to you on public transport and shake your hand. I actually did that uh, the other day on Tuesday when I came in early. There was a guy who was on the Elizabeth line standing next to me and he just prodded me because I had my earphones and he went, but uh, are you... You from the podcast? And I just went, yeah. He went, oh, I love it, mate. I'll let you get back to it. Oh, that's nice. It, it is honestly very nice to. We do like street viewer interactions. They, they happen far more than we expect, yeah, and they're really heartwarming. Yeah. Uh, what isn't heartwarming is uh, the Conservatives recently won a, a by election victory by the narrowest of margins because the Conservative candidate ran on a wholly anti ULES platform. Now, ULES, for those that don't know, is the ultra low emission zone, which was, again, sponsored by one of the Conservative Party MPs who was the transport minister, and now I can't remember what he does, but he's something to do with net zero. Grant Shapps. Um, totally useless man. Sadiq Khan decided to expand the £12.50 per day penalty tax on cars, I think they're older than six years, and also run on diesel, to all of London, including greater London boroughs. So that includes my borough. So basically, my dad can't drive now. Thanks, Sadiq. Because um, he did that, the Conservative Party candidate, Steve Tuckwell, he said, if I get in, in Boris Johnson's old seat, because Boris got kicked out of the Conservative Party, I will make sure that ULES never comes to Uxbridge and Ryslip. And he won by 13,965 votes to Labour's Danny Boy Beale's 13,470. So a very narrow majority of, what, 495? Bear in mind, Boris Johnson won the constituency back in uh, 2019 with a majority of 7,210. That's on top of his opponent. So that's a total blowout. So one, I don't like Boris, but lots of people did, and they felt that throwing him out of the Conservative Party was treachery. But number two, it just shows the Conservatives are so unpopular that actually just rallying against net zero is the only reason they can win, even though they're passing it anyway. Well, even, even from what you're saying there from the Conservative perspective, from the Labour perspective, ULES in London is such a stupid idea. Yep. If you're playing the game of politics, you need to play the game where you offer people things where they will vote for you. That's, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. If you're offering something that will kneecap them and make it more expensive for them to go about your day-to-day -day life, it is such an obvious policy loss, yes. such an obvious losing tactic that they are going to eventually have to step back away from it if they want to continue winning elections. Yes, and so the candidate who would be nice to get an interview with, actually, at some point. She follows him on Twitter, so maybe. Stay tuned. Um, Susan Hall, she's running entirely on an anti-ULES ticket in 2024 to displace Sadiq Khan as well. Starmer is quaking in his boots. And he said something is very wrong when a party policy was on each and every Tory leaflet. Now, Starmer is such a, big, such a clear win. Yeah, he's a big backer of Net Zero. He said, that, again, he prefers Davos to Westminster, so he's fully signed up to the WEF uh, Abolish All Emissions Agenda. Which worm tongue was in his ear telling him that net zero might not be the best idea? The unflushable turd returns. Tony Blair. He gave an interview in the New Statesman to Andrew Marr, very unbiased BBC, of course, um, about a week before the by-election. And he said, if I was back in frontline politics, at one point in the conversation, 
Um, Andrew Moore argued that climate change is a bigger issue than AI. Blair's been banging on about AI. The World Economic Forum is leading the UK's AI legislation. Blair is very involved in the WEF to the point of where he might even succeed Klaus Schwab. All makes sense. Narrative is harmonizing. I, I, I would be impressed if Klaus Schwab, and I mean this seriously, if he had more global influence overall than, than Tony, Tony Blair. Blair does. Yes, I Tony agree. Blair with the Tony Blair Institute has fingers in so many pies all across the world, it's untrue. Yes, so uh, he's going to turn that that gigantic squid with its tendrils everywhere into a Cthulhu that swims ceaselessly left, I think, if he does does become arch the uh, arch nemesis to us all by, by being head of Davos. And he says, it's the single biggest global challenge, right? And Britain should play its part in that, addressing climate change. But it's uh, part, frankly, is going to be less to do with Britain's emissions. I mean, one month's rise in China's emissions would outscore the whole of Britain's emissions for a year. That, that's, you'd hear that opinion on talk TV. You would. Okay, right. Anyone listen to it? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this now, and, yes. and don't take this as an endorsement, okay? I think that Tony Blair, purely in terms of being a practical man mm -hmm. who gets things done and knows how to get things done, is actually... <laughs> uh, substantially to the right of the Tories at this point, at least in terms of how he is advising Keir Starmer in his rhetoric. Obviously, we can't trust him, but when it comes to the rhetoric and what he's advising Keir Starmer to do and what Keir Starmer is doing as a result of that advice is to the right of what the Tories are preaching these days. I actually think if Tony Blair were in power in, in the age of, of the internet and dissent, we would actually be able to be more effective at outmaneuvering him and creating a, a proper counter right wing that wasn't contained by the Tory front bench than if the current Conservatives were in power. I just want the Tories to implode as a party. I want, them to be, I want them to be a state in which they are capturable because we are results-based people and uh, I do know people that are, are working diligently on the inside with relative levels of success. And I best, will be going best to... Best look to them, but I still I want the Tories just to be swept away. Yes, I, I'll be going to a party conference again this year and uh, I will gauge the mood and try not to get arrested this time. And, <laughs> and so we, we come to the position now where Keir Starmer has listened to Tony Blair and... Uh, he, he was up on stage at a Tony Blair Institute for Global Change event in Westminster a little while ago. <laughs> that header image is amazing. Yes. <laughs> Genuinely meeting his hero. And then I told them they had weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> so Blair said, and this is a great line, um, Labour leaders were always in receipt of an inexhaustible supply of advice on how to lose an election. So he is seeing that Starmer, with the, with the woman question, which has now been addressed as adult human female, and the climate change question, which is maybe don't go full, full net zero too quickly because people won't vote for you. Blair is realizing that Starmer may be able to snatch defeat from the jaws of almost certain victory here because the conservatives are imploding. And so I'm not saying they're abandoning net zero. They're not. But the they might just is... be saying that they do yes. and then turn around and do whatever they want when they're in power anyway. Yes, but the rhetoric is shifting. So this is at least a moment that allows us to crowbar uh, public discontent with how expensive and illogical the policies are. So keep hammering and we might be able to do something about it. And on with that. Yeah, let's go on comments. to the video comments, shall we? First one. Let's go. California News. A man named Ed Fred Wackerman was charged with arson from a fire last summer. Initially, that fire was by the ever-nebulous scientists, thought to be caused by climate change. And I want someone to explain to me what that even means. But these arsonists are simply never a one-and-done deal. It's chronic behavior. This man is 71. In his long life, how many wildfires do you think this man has been causing that are not attributed to him, but instead climate change? 
That's a really good point, actually, because every single year for the... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so. Josh covered it in, for the weekend segments, so you can keep an eye out for that for Josh's take on it. But that's a really good point that he's brought up there because every single time uh, summer hits, you always see fires in California. I've seen some pretty hellish imagery from California a few years ago when I was still at university where everybody's going, oh my God, climate change because of the wildfires. But it might have just been that guy. I know a fair bit about this actually because I wrote a policy paper to address the government on right. it in 2021. They were writing the national tree strategy for England because they were going to increase forest coverage by something stupid by 2030 by mass planting trees without any consideration for the fact that forest fires in the UK have been going up largely because of arsons. The BBC even did an article on this a little while ago. It's mainly because of leftover barbecues and carelessness. Um, and if you pack trees together, of course, it's going to go up like kindling. And I looked at the examples in, in 2020, I believe the wildfires were, uh, simultaneously of Australia and California. And the reason they were so similar was because, because California routinely has um, forest fires because some of their seeds need to actually be burned to be released. Uh, California had imported loads of Australian eucalyptus over to regrow their forest. Australian eucalyptus has really flammable oil in it. So they're aromatic hydrocarbons. So they go up like a tinderbox. And both of them, despite the warnings of local fire brigade for their climate policy, had allowed dead wood to collect on yes. the floor of the forest by not doing dieback burnings or clearings. And so climate policy was making these tinderboxes to then manufacture consent for further climate policies. So they made it more flammable. Yes. And then, shockingly, to everyone's surprise, yeah. it was on fire. Yeah. Me sowing. Yeah, this is great. Me reaping. Won't, no, wait, this sucks. <laughs> uh, anyway, on let's next move one. on to the next one. Look, it's the hottest summer on record. I like the sound of rain. It is nice. I listen to 10-hour um, versions of Skyrim music and rain. <laughs> yep. I'm oh. wondering where it went as well. Uh, it went over to Washington, actually. I was strolling around Washington in this bloody suit in 40 degrees. Summer. Heat. How about that global boiling, eh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm really glad that we're paying trillions in climate reparations to nuclear on Pakistan. I'm so glad that most of my fuel bill goes to pointless taxes that they put on it. Yeah, I, I think it's um, about 62% of all energy bills are, are not the wholesale production cost. I'm glad I put the mug down because I was about to throw it, as yeah. you said. Do you, do you know 25% of your energy bill is... Oh, I know, I know that. Yeah. yeah, I know that. That's... Great. Uh, whenever you, I think, you want to be really it. upset about the fuel tax thing. So, oh, so you remember, go on, yeah. Remember, why not? Remember when Sunak said he was going to cut the fuel tax by five p a litre when he first came in? He didn't, and he increased no, he did. it. I oh, no, no, no. Because, oh, right. because of inflation, because of his money printing. Actually, the the the, the real cost it went up by seven p. Oh, thanks. So you. you're still paying two p two p more per litre. Thank you, thank you, Rishi. Very cool. Yeah, you shagged me by less an inch. Cheers. Appreciate it. Um, let's go on. let's watch on, the on next to the one. ad. <laughs> Actually, Callum, if you read the back where it talks about Jackson Forestier, you'd know what the purpose of the book was. <laughs> it was just meant to be a funny story, man. That's <laughs> all it was meant to be about. <laughs> By the way, did you get the rest of my books? I sent all of them. I think we might have a few of his books in the office, uh, but this you may have missed this. This was yesterday's podcast. So uh, we were talking about the children's book that cscooper.au, uh, 
Uh, it's the gingerbread man one. Yeah, the gingerbread man. Yeah. Uh, the Callum's interpretation was it, it was about how if you own slaves, it's best to subjugate them properly or they might rise up against you. And so C.S. Cooper himself seems to have found that to be quite an amusing interpretation of it. Um, I said at the time, you know, that felt like a bit of a stretch. It looks to me like a fun story about gingerbread man. Uh, but Callum was adamant that it was actually about how you need to be much harder on your slaves if you want to keep them downtrodden and oppressed. But of course, Callum would take that view of it. Yeah, as a native Callum, Afghan. Callum has very esoteric interpretations of many things. He, d- he does sit there listening. I, I mean, I just said I listened to 10 hours of Skyrim music. He genuinely sits there most, most of the time working with, with headphones on. As soon as he takes them off when someone talks to him, you just hear North Korean music blaring. Oh, yeah. I, when I sat next to him back in the old office, I don't sit next to him anymore. Harry sits next to me and just irritates me all day. We have excellent conversations. Thank you very much. But when I used to sit next to Callum, he, like, like Connor says here, he took his headphones off and he, he wouldn't pause the music. No. For whatever reason, he'd just leave the music playing, which shows to me how important the music is for him in the first place. But I would be sat there and I would take my own headphones off and I'd hear music playing it. It just, and I would go, what the, what the hell? And I'd look around, no one's singing. What's going on? And I just, I'd, I'd hone in and lean in and put out Callum's headphones. He'd just be listening to Afghan music for no reason. Some some uh, bearded man warbling into his ears while he's working. You know what? Whatever floats your boat. If it works yep. for you, Callum. Yep. Lo-fi tunes to to get the reconquering of Afghanistan Lo- done. To. Lo-fi, lo-fi tunes to behead to. <laughs> anyway, on to the written comments on the website. Yes, uh, let's. I'll go through the first one. The proletariat says the fiance and I are in the hospital right now, and she's busy giving birth to our first kid, a son. Congratulations, Congratulations to you. Please throw us some prayers and well wishes. <laughs> Babe, I need you, please. Hold up, honey. I'm watching Lotus Eaters. <laughs> I'm watching my Lizzo. has been cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Please, like she's there screaming in agony as the baby's head's starting to come out and he's just there like, Babe, you'll never guess what just happened on Lotus Eaters. <laughs> you'll never guess what Lizzo shot out of her vagina. <laughs> I'm so glad you've got your priorities completely straight there, son. Keep it up, Mr. Proletariat. Please throw us some prayers and well wishes. Well, sent your yep. way. I'm looking forward to educating him on premium Lotus Eaters content once he's old enough to understand it. Cheers, and cheers to you too. I hope the first thing your baby hears when he comes out into the world is us nattering on about Lizzo. There is, um, there is uh, someone, someone a friend of the wholesome. show, uh, their son is two years old and mm. he's learned the word bio <laughs> Are you serious? This person, I am, I'm deadly serious. Has this friend of the show been reading Spandrel as a bedtime story? What's, I'll tell you who it is off air. All right, okay. All right, yeah, I, yeah. I need to know this. Yeah, it's, it's not someone you'd expect as well. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. I have an idea in that case who it might be. Anyway, okay, right, so right. um, first segment. Uh, Biggie Bigfoot. Oh, Lizzo's commented. Um, this Lizzo cancelling reminds me of the famous tweet Jordan Peterson sent to Ethan Klein of oh, HVA3. Yep, you will be held to higher and higher and soon impossible to maintain ethical standards by the very mob you currently wish to please. Then you will make a mistake and we will devour you with glee. Please take this warning seriously. I liked you. Well, apart from the last bit, because I never liked Lizzo. Yeah, all of that save I liked you. Yes. 100%. Yeah, spot on. Andrew Narok, if it weren't for double standards, the left would have no standards at all. Always amusing to see the hypocrisy of leftist idols. Yeah, sure. And I'm fine with pointing out hypocrisy when it actually gets them to devour themselves. But most of the time, it's not about hypocrisy. It's just about hierarchy. They just want to dominate us. It's the same thing with the climate cult. It's like, oh, Bill Gates flies a private jet. Yeah, because he sees us as less than human. So he doesn't yeah. care. 
the left, um, and and sadly, as much as I enjoy The Righteous Mind, I think it's a really good book. I think Jonathan Haidt has sadly um, contributed to this. They are perceived as being caring and entirely motivated by selflessness. No, they are hateful, spiteful mutants who hate other people for living healthier, more productive, and more successful lives than they are. Everything they do is motivated by spite and hateful resentment. Yeah, I do think the only book you need to read to understand a leftist is Dostoevsky's Notes from Underground. I need to read Dostoevsky. Okay, Notes from Underground is a perfect entryway. It's only about 100 pages, and it is the the perfect depiction of what a uh, spiteful, self-conscious, pathetic weasel of a man who works in government bureaucracy is like. It's it's just... We did a book club on it with uh, Nick Dixon. And uh, it will be, it's, it's a really good right. way into it. Yeah, I'll check it out. Um, Base State, it does actually kind of make sense when you think about Lizzo's entire shtick being provocatively and disgustingly fat as a virtue. Now imagine someone <laughs> behind her was even fatter and more disgusting, like turning up to someone else's wedding ring, wedding wearing white. As Qui-Gon Jinn said, there's always a bigger fish. Yeah, that might make... And it probably that, smells awful. That makes some sense. Yeah, if, if Lizzo isn't completely obscuring you from view whenever you're on stage with her, then you're off stage. Yeah. Or oh, she isn't tipping the stage, so you fall off of it. Um, LaFrench, <laughs> Maybe that's why they need them to be perfectly balanced in weight to stop the t- as all things should be. <laughs> yes, to stop the stage from tipping one way or the other. The French banana. I, I, okay. Um, Lizzo has too much weight in the cultural space to be cancelled. Hey, Athelstan. Lizzo and Kanye West are prime examples of why people of neither political side should not put their stock in these narcissistic, hedonistic, immoral celebrities who have no integrity and will climb whichever ladder leads to the largest publicity and bank account. It always comes back to bite. Yeah, before, like a couple of weeks before Kanye went properly off the deep end, we did a segment like laughing about how based he was because it wasn't meant to be serious. Like he raised some good points about like fatherhood custody, but then he also said that reading was like Brussels sprouts to him. So I, I don't agree with him. My favorite one that I remember reading like, 10 years ago, I saw the quote come up on Facebook, was him saying that if a book offered him its autograph, he wouldn't take it. What? If a book oh, oh, offered right. its autograph to him, he wouldn't accept. With the accent, I, I thought you said something very Tariq Nasheed for a minute there. Oh, God. Genuinely, I was like, what? Um, if, if a book got broken. Oh, dear God. Right, Baron von Warhawk. Women are shocked to see that Lizzo has no respect for their bodies. However, this is not surprising as she has no respect for her body either. It's a shame what happened to these women. Nobody deserves to be forced into prostitution. Yes, I. Uh, this is not something that I've come up with. It's something that someone is writing on. You'll see a book on it coming out very soon. But things like trans ideology and fat acceptance are just a war on a Margot day. The idea that the body is a reflection of something divine and therefore sacred and therefore not yours to defile and I, I, it's fair to call Lizzo demonic in, in that particular angle. Um, do you want to go on to your bit? Uh, no, I just want to first, uh, we, we missed one. Because, oh, did we? Uh, okay. We, we've got some great little puns in here because everybody took the opportunity to yep. get theirs in. Uh, the letter M is for manatee, said here at, the Lo- <laughs> here at the Lotus Eaters, we only cover the biggest news. Zing. There we go. All right. Anon Immy says, when Trump becomes the front runner, the strike will suddenly be over for the late night shows making me want Trump to not run now, so thank you for that. Ross Diggle, not wanting Hollywood to be rapists and pedophiles. I think that bar is too high, Harry. Well, a man can hope. Baron Von Warhawk, it's also revealing that these comedy shows would rather die than mock the bumblings of Joe Biden. It just shows how they are stooges for the deep state instead of comedians. Absolutely, it does. Ethelstan95 again says, I love the writer's strike. I need to say that again in Palpatine. I love the writer's strike. 
Gives me additional leverage to persuade the wife to watch all of the old films that I have on my watch list. Nice, that's a good one. Watched Ben-Hur, A Bridge Too Far, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid recently. So much better than the blasphemous nonsense like Good Omens or the abominable butchery of source material like The Witcher, that- which might be cancelled now. Oh, no, they're doing a fourth season, aren't they? No, no, I've heard. I think it was maybe it was maybe the critical drinker right. spoke about it, talking about how they've just decided now that the show is going to be, because of the writer's strike, it's going to be put in limbo the same as everything else, and it might not be coming back when it, right. when it does come back. Because at the end of the day, who's going to watch The Witcher without Henry Cavill? He was the big selling point. Yep. And the fact that he was involved even tangentially with the creative process because he refused to do stupid things that go in, went against the source material that people asked him to do meant that there was even barely a level of creative control that might make it bearable yep. for, uh, for fans of the source material. Without him, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It was, uh, it's major Kennedy though that you're sitting your wife down and explaining your favorite movies to her because literally in the Barbie movie, they do this for two films. And I, 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 I'm not kidding you. This is real. He does it with The Godfather. And then... When one of the Barbies wakes up from Wait, one bound. of the Kens explains the Godfather yes. to one of the Barbies. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> the, and the best one as well. One of the Barbies wakes up from patriarchy and she goes, Yeah, I I I was uh, I can't believe I was so invested in Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> and I was like, They're literally me. Yeah, literally me on the screen for Connor right there. Um Carl Tom- is currently watching Barbie, by the way. I think he might have finished. Oh, he's probably... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he went back for repeat viewing. Unless it's a three-hour epic, <laughs> which maybe there's going to be the the, the Gerwig cut yeah. <laughs> released three years from now. Black and white. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. We are doing politics of Barbie. That is confirmed. We, we are actually... They doing. are. They are. Yeah. Thomas Vanio says, hmm, the fall of late-night comedy shows. Well, it just kind of reminds me of the fall of radio comedy shows that preceded them, such as the uh, Pepsi... Pepsodent show, not funny, and there were new technological advances, uh, advan- alternatives to it all. Edit, but eventually, in the long run, podcasts will be bought and brought under singular central control, just as the newspapers were, radio channels were, and the TV channels were, and you will end up with the same old uniform propaganda outfit that's permeated through societies for centuries. You just have to hope people in control of that next media are less socialistic. Perhaps I will say, though, that the internet being the way that it is at all means just immediately you're going to have greater opportunities for decentralization. But what you're talking about there is already essentially happening where YouTube is trying to monopolize a lot of things. Spotify has got its uh, podcast arm. And what they'll want to do is censor particular thinkers like the way that we're uh, demonetized on YouTube and control yeah. the narratives that way. And just also with, bringing them all under Ofcom su- surveillance and yeah. things like that. Just, just with the internet, it's much more difficult to be able to do that consistently. Yeah. Uh, let's go while we've still got a minute onto your last segment. Well, someone, Letter M for Manatee also said that uh, late night TV for Australians is just us two. So oh, cheers for that. Nice. I mean, we are funnier than most of these unfunny guys. Good mate. And you immediately taught stock credibility. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, screw tape lasers. Speaking of energy, when are you going to do an LK99 segment? Um, I don't know what that is. Neither do I. No idea. I probably should. Is that the NASA thing? I don't I know. I should probably know this, but... Uh, but... Oh, might know what it is. Yep. Um, Athelstan. The way the government and academic institutions refuse to fund new investigations or even engage in productive conversation with scientists to propose alternate theories about climate change shows the continued atheist arguments against the church and Galileo, never objective in the truth of that actual story, true, but not a religious issue, but a human issue when they have power. Yes, um, there are lots of new arguments that climate change is a secular religion. I think Richard Dawkins even said this the other day. Uh, it's pretty much just... The, the transposition of um, anxieties about the apocalypse onto a new non-theistic narrative. And one last one um, from, let's go with Sophie Liv. 
Honestly, all of these green energy initiatives feel like Chinese psyops to trick Western leaders into destroying their own countries and buying all their minerals, by the way, because they have a monopoly on those. Um, we're going to be talking to China Uncensored soon, so that should be good. Right now, Xi Jinping is just sitting in a corner with all of his generals giggling to each other. OMG, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> yeah, we are a vassal state of the Chinese. And, uh, and well, the we're a vassal state of the Americans primarily, yes. but if the American empire falls, then maybe then it'll be China. Yeah, which everyone's committing suicide fast enough, I suppose. Anyway, on that dour note. Yeah, I think that's all we've got time for today. So thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow at one o'clock. So we'll see you then. Till then, take care.